Welcome to the Proceedings Podcast. I'm Bill Hamlet, the Editor-in-Chief of Proceedings at the U.S. Naval Institute. Today is Monday, February 5th here in the Annapolis area, but it's Tuesday, February 6th in Japan, where our guests are. More on that in a minute. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Booz Allen. Accelerate today's missions with tomorrow's technologies. As the leader in providing AI solutions to the federal government and one of the world's largest cybersecurity providers, Booz Allen advances game-changing capabilities rapidly, ethically, and securely. Learn more at boozallen.com defense. All right, so on to the show today. We're going to talk about the Navy Reserve and some big changes that have been made to how the Navy Reserve integrates with and supports the active component. So my, my guests joining me from uh, Yokosuka, Japan, are Captain K.C. Chipwadia, He's the commanding officer of the Naval Reserve for Commander Naval Forces Japan Headquarters. And Commander Allison Maruka is the public affairs officer for that headquarters Navy Reserve unit at CNFJ. Casey and Ali, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Hi, Bill. That's great to have you. How are things in Japan? They're great. They're a little wet and cold today. We were supposed to get snow last night, but we are here and we're busy uh, working hard supporting the exercise that's ongoing. Yeah, so you're doing a big exercise called Keen Edge, uh, which we'll we'll hear more about that. Uh, but let's let's start, uh, Captain Chipwadi. I want to talk about the Navy Reserve fighting instructions, and um, uh, we 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 talked to your. Boss's boss's boss, the uh, commander of Navy Reserve, uh, maybe a year and a half ago or so, <clears throat> and uh, and he talked about those a, a little bit. But but for our listeners and viewers who maybe haven't heard that episode of the podcast, what are the Navy Reserve fighting instructions? When were they published, and how have they changed the Navy Reserve? <clears throat> Thank you. This is an excellent question. It's uh, exciting times actually for the Navy Reserve. Uh, the original Navy Reserve fighting instructions were published in 2020. Uh, Admiral Mustin. Uh, think of it as a, a sense of a battle order cry that uh, he was directed from CNO to realign <clears throat> and refine and fix, uh, and ultimately to improve how the reserve forces across all of reserve forces are training, are structured, our reserve unit structures, as well as our manpower. Or do we have the right people at the right place at the right time? So it was it was a broad. Uh, Balor that he directed his staff uh, to get after this problem set, and he created four uh, two-star-led efforts to uh, design the force, train the force, develop the force, um, and uh, mobilize the force. So four key areas to really get after this problem set across the entire Navy Reserve, uh, and it's an exciting time to have clear purpose, uh, which is very clear from Admiral Mustin. There's no confusion of his uh, direction to his reserve force, which is his number one priorities. All of that is to get after warfighter readiness. And it, it sounds like your unit out there in Japan, uh, and you're participating in this exercise called Keen Edge. And it sounds like the work that you're doing, that your unit, your your personnel are doing in this exercise right now is very much uh, in support of or in accordance with those uh, Navy Reserve uh, fighting instructions. Uh, I got to point out, uh, in January, uh, we published a proceedings article by Commander Maruka. Uh, it's titled, Navy Reservists in the Pacific, Rehearsing to Mobilize 
for a maritime conflict. And for our non-reservist viewers and listeners, if you haven't been exposed to the Navy Reserve recently, I think you should read it because it's really eye-opening. And my big takeaway from it was that today's Navy Reserve is not your father's or your mother's Navy Reserve, right? So those of us who came in in the Cold War uh, and, and perhaps um, were used to reservists coming in on weekends at the gaining command and perhaps moving your pencils around and that sort of thing when they did their drills, uh, this is a very different structure and a very different um you know, it sounds like a much better way of integrating the Navy Reserves into the active or the total the total force component. So, uh, Ali, next question to you is, um, uh, as a public affairs officer, describe, and this is in your article a little bit, there's Navy Reserve units that support active component commands in Japan, in Korea, and Singapore, kind of throughout the Pacific. How many are there? Mm -hmm big are they? How many personnel? And do they operate any differently than CONUS-based reserve units? Yeah, thanks, Bill, for that question. Um, yes, the uh, the I would say there's probably at least over 20 uh, reserve units that throughout the United States that support gaining commands uh, here in Japan, in Korea, and Singapore. And uh, we're talking probably hundreds of sailors. We've got three main big um, headquarters units that support the missions out here. We've got our unit, the CNFJ uh, Reserve Headquarters Unit, which is based out of Navy Reserve Center, Minneapolis. We have our uh, 7th Fleet Unit uh, Headquarters Unit, which drills out of uh, NRC uh, Dallas, Fort Worth. And then we have our Commander Naval Forces Korea Unit, um, which is based out of Port Wyneme. And then each of those headquarters units have detachments across the United States um, that have local opportunities for the sailors in those areas to be able to per, uh, complete their Navy Reserve requirements. But we are all focused on supporting active duty commands here in the Pacific in Japan, Korea, and, um, uh, and Singapore. And so we all, all reservists have the same requirements to maintain our readiness, our training, our physical fitness. You know, that's where our drill weekends come in one weekend a month. And we perform our two weeks of AT, our annual training a year. But the challenge becomes, which we'll get into in the conversation in a little bit, is when it comes time to mobilize reservists. And as um, Captain Chipwadia said, refining how we mobilize to our billets, which is a, a direction through the Navy Reserve fighting instructions. The challenge is how do we, the sailors who are attached to these units in the United States, mobilize in a conflict um, to these active duty commands that are out here, potentially in contested areas. You know, we've got folks who support billets on ships and that logistically becomes a, a challenge um, and, and a whole host of other things that we've never had to um, do before. And so while we all have the same requirements, regardless of where we drill um, to maintain that that readiness, so so we maintain um, our warfighting readiness, the, it comes into play. The difference is when we mobilize, we're going straight out to the fight, but how do we get there? Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so captain, um, back to you for the next question. Can you uh, just describe a little bit? We talked a little, a little bit at the opening about this exercise keen edge that you've been in Japan for, uh, now it sounds like for a couple of weeks, um, you know, if you can tell us what the focus of the exercise is and then how, uh, how many reservists have come in from those conus based units to support the active force out there in Japan and seven fleet. Yeah, <clears throat> thank you, Bill. And then uh, overall, Keen Edge 
uh, is one of just many exercises that we, CNFJ, and the other units that uh, Ali mentioned support in this Far East area. So Keen Edge, there's Keen Sword, and then a host of others across the Department of Defense in the Far East area. We're just exercising one of them. Um, it's a key one that certainly ex uh, evaluates, assesses, and refines our processes and procedures, I would say, broadly speaking, to make sure that we can all work together. That's what all these rehearsals, if you will, are, are really for, is to figure out those, those things that we just, the unknowns, the known unknowns, and the unknown unknowns that uh, we're trying to really resolve because we will just won't we won't know them all every time and so we have to consistently do these reps and sets to uncover those and then quickly get after solving those so this is just one of many that my command supports throughout the year and my focus particularly coming back to nerfy or the navy reserve fighting instructions you know i i, I tell my team every single month uh, they probably are tired of me saying it which is uh, we exist for one reason, and that is for warfighter readiness. It is very clear from our boss down, and if you'll read uh, new CNO, Admiral Franchetti's uh, princ uh, principles, uh, pretty clear, warfighting, warfighter, and foundation. So I, I think we have pretty clear alignment across the leadership of what we really should do and why I come to the office. So every one of my sailors uh, from the E1 up um, is asking themselves, why do I come into the office and, and how can I get absolutely the best that I can at executing that particular function? So as a leadership, my team, we owe every sailor clear purpose of why they come to the office, what their purpose in, in their uh, readiness means so that they can and then give them the tools to go to go execute that. So it's an absolutely has been a phenomenal exercise so far to give my team those sets and reps, um, you know, not just the warfighting pieces, as you know, Bill. Uh, we have to get to know each other as well. And, and as a reservist, I don't, we don't walk uh, down the hallway and to be able to see every sailor every single day. We don't wear the uniform every day. And so that presents another right. layer of challenge that these exercises give us an opportunity to break some bread across our shipmates and, and get to know that because that's how we can smooth out a lot of these, uh, these uh, uh, wrinkles, if you will. Uh, so, sir, follow-on question: Just um, manpower, Manning. How how's Manning in the Navy reserves right now? Because um, you know the Navy made big news last week by saying that it would start accepting uh, enlistees who had not graduated from high school or didn't have uh, a GED. And so, a lot of people there's some hand wringing about that. So, just kind of curious, um, what are you seeing in the reserve component in terms of uh, manpower and the fit and fill in your in your units? Yeah, excellent. I, I would, uh, oddly enough, uh, across the the Navy, we certainly have those challenges that resulted in what you saw uh, and read last week um, of find, try and find a ways to meet our recruiting goals. But, you know, I will tell you, Bill, that at the, the reserve side and particularly in, in my unit in an enterprise across CNFJ, um, you know, we have over 170 sailors across the reserve, my CNFJ reserve enterprise. Um, our manning is actually pretty good. Um, it's, it's on high numbers over 90%, um, because, uh, I'm just grateful that, that we have sailors who recognize and appreciate, um, that when they come to CNFJ in the far East, um, this is where the pacing threat is. That's no surprise to anybody. This is where, if you want to find yourself, sink your teeth into a meaningful problem set, uh, and be incredibly valued, this is where you come. And it is, uh, I'm appreciative that both CNR, CNO, uh, PACOM commander and PAC fleet all recognize where this is where the shift in, in the priorities and our sailors are quite frankly, our reserve sailors 
are coming to the call. So I'm actually very grateful that we have uh, incredible manning uh, and within our enterprise. Oh, that's good news. Good news. And and do they feel well? Not not how they feel. Um, uh, do you feel for back when your when your sailors and your officers are back home in CONUS and they're drilling and doing their two weeks and their and their weekends a month? Do they have connectivity with the gaining command so that they understand what is going to be expected of them when they come out for a big exercise like Keen Edge or if they get mobilized for a real world contingency? Yeah, we absolutely have connectivity. Um, what we have done, though, uh, I would say is that uh, because the action component has many problems they're solving every day, the real world problems, um, it is our leadership, my my job and my leadership team's job to um, design a system, an integration system that minimizes active component, I, what I use as calories burning. We need to save those calories for war fighting piece so that my team can say, we will create a way that communicates to our sailors. We keep them plugged in. We do our monthly warfighter training in Minneapolis or in Fort Worth or in Yokosuka, wherever my detachments are. Um, and for every major exercise, such as Keen Edge, I actually assign a leadership team that is, a, that is a designed simply to manage, organize, and execute on behalf of the reserve forces. So we have clear communications all the way down to the E1 of what their expectations are leading all the way up. So it it just reduces the the strayed electrons that uh, can certainly amplify if uh, there's no clear leader. So I, I assign a leader and a leadership team that ensures that we have what we call as you certainly know RSO and I, the reception and onward staging right. piece so that we can plug right in. And as CNR says, you know, our, our task is plug in, be ready on day one. Gotcha. Um, so Ali, well, go ahead. Yeah, no, I just want to add too. I think um, in today's digital age, I, I think across the reserve force, we have better connectivity with our gating command, whether we're in the States and we support a command in the Pacific or we're in the States and we support a command in Norfolk, the, the technology that we have now allows greater accessibility than, than ever before. And so there is a much, um, you know, it's something that every unit continues to work on, but the closeness and the, the ACRC integration, which is a, a term that we use a lot, is uh, um, is stronger than ever before because we just have the capabilities and the platforms to maintain it as opposed to, you know, five, 10 years ago even. So, Got it. So uh, active component, reserve component, ACRC there. And um, uh, yeah, you've got connectivity. And do, do your folks feel like they've gone through the right a schools and C schools, and and they understand uh, what's expected of them when they when they get out to the gaining command. They've they've, they've the the training is applicable enough. It is um, uh, you know it's it's like plug and play kind of thing. That's right. And 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 to that point, Bill, actually, sorry, part of that uh, um, when when I started off with the four major lines of effort that Admiral Mustin established to train the force was also a key piece that trickles down to all of us to to say what the limited time that we spend as reservists 16 hours a week uh, weekend in the month if you think of that uh, um, every hour matters how do we efficiently and effectively utilize that time to get after 
the warfighter piece, which is number one, but as a professional organization, we have careers to manage and help our sailors. So we have to um, balance all of that, and which makes it challenging, of course, but as uh, CNR says all the time is uh, hard is authorized. Hard is authorized. I like that one. Uh, so, Ali, uh, in your article, you wrote, I'll, I'll read this quote, for 20 years, the wars in the Middle East mobilized seagoing sailors to ground-based billets. And as a result, the systems and processes are not optimized to rapidly mobilize sailors to the Pacific theater in response to a maritime mission. Just pull that apart for us, if you would. Yeah, sure. So over the past 20 years, you know, we've been supporting uh, the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq and continuously um, refining those processes where, you know, sailors would go to a, a collection point here in the States for their training and they'd get issued their gear and they'd, they'd get prepared. And then they'd get on a flight and they'd go into the next staging area where they do follow on training and get whatever, um, you know, specific gear then that they would need to take forward into theater. And so it was a very um, calculated, planned out process um, that went into a ground environment where, and, and that, that culture and those systems and that institutional knowledge was built over the course of the last two decades. But now as we shift and focus on what it would look like in a maritime conflict, you know, and we, we look at it from the CNFJ perspective and all the other folks who support Pacific commands, we're putting folks much further away without the staging capabilities next uh, necessarily, and potentially people on ships in contested theaters um, we just don't have the foundation because it's a wildly different scenario than what we've been doing for the past 20 years. And so that's what Captain Chipwadia and the CEOs of the other um, major units that support the Pacific are working through, as well as representatives from Commander Navy Reserve Force, to figure out how do we, when we when the, the president mobilizes sailors in response to a wartime conflict, and we, that means we mobilize to Japan, how do we walk through those processes as expeditiously and efficiently as possible um, so that we can get out there to the fight to support our gaining command? Yeah, and if, if I could uh, just add a little bit of uh, maybe context for that for, for folks who uh, haven't been following along closely with uh, the Navy Reserve uh, contributions to the global war on terror after 9/11, but the uh, I mean the, you know obviously those were pre predominantly ground fights, and the Navy yeah. put forward a lot of individual augmentees IAs right, and they went forward and they supported you know so we're talking Navy sailors that went forward and yeah. supported Army units or supported uh, Marine Corps units or supported uh, international uh, coalition. Uh, forces in Iraq and Afghanistan. And as you said, I, I had some sailors when I was uh, on sea duty at Cargo 4 uh, back in the mid 2000s. And we, you know, we would get this tax. We would, we would be told, hey, you got to send X number of, of sailors and they're going for six months or yep. nine months or a year. And then they, they would go to a big army command and they would get training and then they would be, you know, flown forward. And, um, and, and so, uh, yeah, that, for, I think, Contextually, you're right. This was a much. Uh, it was this was big, big green, big army machine that the Navy fed people into, but at a, at a very individualized basis. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't. I think um, the the term that Avril Mustin used to us was was mobbed to billet. If I'm 
correct me if I'm wrong there, but you know, mobilizing sailors to specific Navy billets that are identified forward in Fifth Fleet and Seventh Fleet and places like uh, right. you know USFK and CNFJ. Did I, did I get that right? Absolutely. No, you you hit the the nail on the head right there, Bill. So. Well, good. Well, I mean, it, you know, it, it sounds like um, you know after we talked to Admiral Mustin, that was you know, almost two years ago now, uh, and he was describing some of these efforts to 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 get after these problems, uh, and it sounds like from from uh, your your perspective that a lot of progress has been made, which I think is, uh, you know, commendable. Um, so Captain Chipwadia, you've commanded, uh, I, by my count, when I read your bio, five Navy Reserve units. You've served in a bunch of others in a 25-year career. Uh, can you just describe some of the changes in the Navy Reserve that you've seen uh, during that career and, and what excites you most? Yeah, thank you. Bill. I, I will tell you that um, serving, of course, wearing the uniform for all of us is exciting in general. That's that's why I, I get up in the morning and why I sign the dotted line that bonds us all together, no matter what race, religion, creed, and uh, MOS and the designator background you have is that one common bond is that I will defend and, uh, if, if necessary, die for my nation. Um, and I will say that at the at the lowest level, at, at the sailor level, you know, the rank and file is important to ensure that they know uh, why they come to work, why do they wear the uniform, and, and what will make them uh, completely ready. Um, in my career span, um, we uh, always understand that we are here to defend should the nation require, uh, but that's very um, hot, you know, that's at the 50,000 foot level. How do you translate that down to the sailor, and what does that really mean? And, and quite frankly, there was struggling. Um, you know, what do we fill? We were caught in this game of uh, active component manning shortages or someone goes on vacation or leave. And so we were regularly sort of gap filling, what we call gap filling. Um, and it may not be what your background is. There certainly wasn't the mope to billet that you mentioned. That is a key piece of the fighting instructions is mope to billet. Um, and as we come back, I would say that the, the most significant change um, that also connects to your other question of what excites me is purpose. I, I, uh, there's lots of things happening across the world. Uh, there's stray voltage everywhere. There's noise, there's chaos. Um, and so I like to simplify and that's difficult. And how do you simplify something? Um, it's just tell me what the vision and purpose is very clearly. And, and I will tell you that, uh, I'm incredibly excited and grateful that Admiral Mustin, uh, has, there's no confusion. You cannot, um, walk away with the scratching your head saying, I really don't know what the boss meant. Um, it was very clear. Everything we do must pass the, the, the smell right, taste right test of does this improve my warfighting readiness as an individual and as a collective team? And that's what we owe every commander out across. And in my case, very grateful that I will tell you that Commander Naval Forces Japan, Admiral Lati, is 1000% uh, behind Admiral Mustin recognizing the value of what this will bring to him because that's ultimately who we support in a wartime scenario. So the, the change, I would say, in the simplest way, is really this drive towards singular focus, war fighting, and everything we do, we must ask ourselves, does this align to war fighting readiness from a training, uh, a, a unit structure perspective, um, a uh, development, career development perspective, does it help me with warfighter readiness? Um, and that is is actually, I am incredibly excited about that because I know I can take that guidance 
and develop a plan with my team and execute that. And I can translate that down to the rank and file, which I believe is ultimately uh, who will win this war is the rank and file. Oh, that's great. Um, so I got uh, another question for both of you, and I'll start with Ali on this one. Um, as as uh, reserve professionals, uh, what what message would you like to share with active duty uh, naval officers and enlisted professionals about the reserve force? Um, the thing that always comes back to my mind is that we are one team, one team, one fight, one total Navy force, and. Um, it's, it's hard to welcome others sometimes into your world, especially when we're not here every single day, walking the halls, like Captain Chipwadi has said, but reservists often bring unique experience and skill sets to the fight that we want to leverage, um, that goes, you know, beyond what we do every day in the Navy. And so we are here to be one team, um, and we're working hard. And I would say over the course of my uh, not quite as uh, many years as Captain Chapuadia career, but um, I'm getting there. <laughs> um, uh, over the course of my, my career in the reserves, I've seen a, a significant transformation of the teamwork and the acceptance between the active duty and the reserve uh, counterparts. And we just, we have to continue to maintain that one team, one fight mentality, one total Navy force as we continue to train um, and prepare to when called upon, and we need to get our butts in seats and man the watch floor or whatever it is to, you know, our mobilization billet um, so that we can we can win the war together. So, Yeah, uh, Captain, before you go, I'm, I'm going to make a plug because uh, as an active duty guy, I was um, probably in the minority for part of my career as a fan of the Navy Reserve. And I'll, I'll share a story. When I was out at uh, the, the uh, U.S. Pacific Command, now Indo-Pacific Command, and I led the China Intel team there at the Joint Intelligence Operations Center, the reserve unit that supported my team was in Denver. It was the Joint Reserve Unit in Denver. And one of the things, they, they really understood what we were all about and what our requirements were and how to support us. But, but we also, on the active side, we invested heavily in that in that joint reserve unit because we we spent a, it was in the millions of dollars uh, just before I got to Hawaii in the mid two thousands um, to provide high speed secure communications at the TSSCI level and the reserve unit there they had the same um, uh, imagery interpretation systems and, uh, and and capabilities that we had out in Hawaii. And so the Intel specialists that would come in on the weekends, they would look at they were looking at the same problem set that we were looking at on a on a you know daily basis. And so they were they were plugged into, they could do imagery interpretation. We could leave stuff for them on a Friday. We'd come back on a Monday and they would they'd have it done for us. Um, or they could, if they plugged in for a two-week uh, AT, either there or in Hawaii, they knew our our photo interpreters, our ISs, and they could do the job right along with us. And, and same thing for other skill sets in the intelligence community, which was just incredibly powerful. But I think it, it's incumbent; it's always been incumbent on the active mm -hmm. component to be, as you said, you know, real clear. What's the what's the vision? What's the mission? Uh, communicate, but also to set the reservists up with with the tools that allow them to be, uh, you know, contributors on day one when they show up. So anyway, I'll get off my soapbox now, but I am, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the reserves. Uh, they, they were incredibly supportive to, uh, to my team in Hawaii. 
And, um, and sometimes when I hear people grumble about the reserves, I go, yeah, you, you know, you're, you're going off of like the 1970s mentality, I think there. So, so, all right. So now I'll let you answer my question now that I'm done with my soapbox. Uh, no, th thank you for sharing that. You, you, uh, you, I, I couldn't do better if you, um, if you didn't pay me for this, because you connect, you exactly said some things that I was going to share a, um, a different lens from what Kamaruka shared, um, which you hit on. And, and that's one, number one investment. I love that word that you use. Um, CNR is incredibly um, focused. He has made substantial investment uh, in, uh, in capital, uh, in human capital, in financial capital to uh, get after the war fighting. It's not just a, a low, it's not just a, a low a bumper sticker. Um, he's literally making decisions to divest, and he has over the last few years, to divest in areas that aren't aligned to war fighting. They may be uh, interesting and nice to do, but there's a lot of interesting things. Um, but really getting after the investment piece to uh, uh, owe that to the fleet commanders, to every commander. And the other piece to add on to Command Ruka, which is relationships. It's a two-way street. We really do want to be ready. We really do want to contribute to the mission. We're not an outsider, um, but um, I will tell you that in my long career, and, and to your point, um, ACRC relationships are a challenge. They have been challenges. Um, we are human at the end of the day, and there are challenges of why do you, you know, you're a distraction to me in some cases, but, but it's the mindset piece. If we, if we all align on mindset and recognize we really do want to contribute, um, we have to take time to, to build those relationships. So my, my continued ask, I ask my team, I always look in the mirror first, is what can we do uh, to smooth and improve that relationship? There's a great uh, an outstanding quote that my team heard, hears me say all the time from um, uh, General Mattis um, uh, is um, um, "vicious harmony." Uh, his <laughs> quote is: uh, "His quote is, you yep. can have a thousand PhDs, the smartest person in the world. I don't want to work with you because if you aren't focused on creating vicious harmony across a staff, um, you're no good to me. You're really no good to me." So I love that, and I use that to my team: is we've got to create vicious harmony break bread uh, across the aisle, if you will, from the AC, the RC, and within our enterprise, without those relationships, um, um, the rest will be all barriers. We, we got to remove those barriers and, and they're there. So that's what we're focused on. All right. I love it. Uh, are there any, uh, do you have any saved rounds or, or, or any questions that I should have asked you that I wasn't smart enough to ask? Uh, you nailed it. Yep. No. <laughs> Oh, I will sell one more. I'm sorry. I do have a plug. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, and forgive me if I accidentally uh, don't remember if I did, but if I did, uh, uh, General Mattis, of course, is uh, who I was referring to. I don't know if I, if I said that name correctly. Um, uh, but, but the one plug I have at the end there is connected to the act component is relationship piece. Uh, and um, a little bit to what you said earlier is every sailor is a recruiter. Uh, and so it's important to know that we want to value your time as an active component. Uh, should you decide as a family decision or a personal decision to leave the action component, um, we would really love to have you. Uh, we want to make sure we retain that talent, uh, allow you to achieve, go fulfill and achieve your civilian goals, whatever they may be, but that we would love for you to continue to wear that uniform, continue to serve uh, in a reserve capacity. So uh, don't think of us as a, as a Navy as a one and done. Uh, we would absolutely love uh, to bring you and keep you in the fight uh, if that's an option for you. No, that's a great plug. Um, and, and I'll make a plug. 
because I suspect that there'll be more than more than uh, than an average number of reservists watching this episode of the podcast. <laughs> and, and so my plug is uh, for you to write for proceedings. Um, we do get quite a few reservists, including Commander Maruka uh, has written for us a number of times. But uh, if you're if you have an idea for uh, this topic, you know, ACRC integration, uh, write for us. If you have a, a, an idea for any other topic from war, war fighting to leadership to tactics to strategy, uh, we'd love to have your voice in the pages of proceedings. And oftentimes it leads to a podcast. So uh, you're, you're, you're pushing on an open door to write for us and to be part of the open forum of the Naval Institute. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're about out of time and it is late tonight. So I'm going to, I'm going to um, specifically thank uh, our producer, Heather Legg, who's staying up extra late so that we can do a late Monday night, early Tuesday morning thing. And thank you for, for, uh, for joining us also early on a, uh, on your Tuesday morning there in Japan. My guests today have been Captain Casey Chipwadia and Commander Ali Maruka. They're joining us from Yokosuka, Japan, and they are part of the reserve, the Navy reserve and the reserve component. And they're out there doing uh, operation or, or exercise keen edge uh, out in the four deployed naval forces, uh, keeping keeping the world safe uh, for democracy and freedom and all kinds of alliances and partners and all the, all the important stuff. So great to have you on the show. This was a really fun conversation. And Ali, thanks for writing for us again. Always. Thanks, Bill. And thank you. And, and uh, on behalf of Admiral Lati, our boss, uh, we also appreciate that. And uh, I know he does as well. So, uh, uh, arigato gozaimasu. Arigato gozaimasu. Thanks, Heather. Okay. <laughs> well, that wraps up this episode uh, brought to you by Booz Allen. Accelerate today's missions with tomorrow's technologies as the leader in providing AI solutions to the federal government and one of the world's largest cybersecurity providers. Booz Allen advances game-changing capabilities rapidly, ethically, and securely. Learn more at boozallen.com slash defense. Next week is West, our big annual convention in San Diego, February 13, 14, 15 at the San Diego Convention Center. Admission is free to active duty military. We'll have Chief of Naval Operations, Admiral Franchetti. We'll have the Secretary of the Navy, the Assistant Commandant of the Marine Corps, the PAC Fleet Commander, and more for details and to register go to westconference.org. And until then, remember, victory begins at the Naval Institute.